Welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast, where we cover firefighting technology trends and change management. In today's episode, we have Mike White, the Chief Pilot and C. Bernie Assistant Section Chief at the Indiana Department of Homeland Security, where we will discuss the implementation and usage of drones in public safety operations. Mike will explain how drones were incorporated into hazmat response and used for mapping and fire investigation applications. Mike also shares some insights on choosing the right drone platform for specific missions and challenges faced in drone implementation, including concerns around Chinese-made drones. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the conversation. Sitting here alongside Mike White, the Chief Pilot and Assistant Seabirnie Section Chief of Indiana Department of Homeland Security. Mike, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So I maybe give it away. You're in Indiana, but where in Indiana are you located? Uh, right now, I'm uh, downtown at the Indiana Government Center in Indianapolis. This is where my uh, office is at, but I'm also a remote worker. So I cover roughly 28 counties in kind of the southeast to central part of Indiana. Right on. Well, I know Indianapolis has becomes like the fire capital of the world for at least one week of the year oh, every yeah. year with FDIC. So I know we have become f- quite familiar with the city. Right, right. We'll see you there then. Great place for conferences. The yes. mayor, someone did something to make Indianapolis this hub at some point. And I know it's, it's really good for these kind of events. Yeah, we used to be the crossroads of America. So, yeah. Well, so for those of us that don't have insights into the Indiana Department of Homeland Security and sort of the maybe macro function and then and some of the micro tasks that you do, I mean, if you could, I'd love to get some sort of context on what does the Indiana Department of Homeland Security do and tell me more about kind of the services and you know population and, and community that you serve. Sure. We serve the whole state of Indiana. So uh, from the north of Chicago all the way to Cincinnati and Evansville, the whole, the whole state. But the Indiana Department of Homeland Security is made up of uh, uh, five groups, uh, the Indiana State Fire Marshal's Office, uh, EMS, Emergency uh, Management, uh, Building and Code Enforcement, and then uh, the Building Commission for the state of Indiana. So that's all under Homeland Security. My office is under uh, the State Fire Marshal's Office, the Hazmat Division. Uh, We are predominantly hazmat specialists, but when the state decided to, or DHS uh, decided to do drone work, we decided to put it under the hazmat section, and the hazmat uh, specialists are are the pilots, and uh, we predominantly do all of the flying for Homeland Security. So you mentioned hazmat and sort of the the scope of serving the greater Indiana population. Where and how did drones come into the picture? And and, and what what do drones mean to, and how are drones being used by the Indiana Department of Homeland Security? Right. Well, drones were kind of incorporated into hazmat response. So uh, for recon and that kind of thing, and that's kind of where, where the hazmat section, you know, we kind of pushed... Uh, for drones, uh, 2017, 2018, uh, a lot of uh, departments were, were starting to get drones. So we started researching it and working on it. And our program started in 2019. We purchased our first 12 drones. And since then, we've expanded to, I believe right now we're at 21 drones. And I have four pilots with 21 drones. So each of us carry roughly uh, four to five drones. On our trucks, uh, we've got everything from the uh, the Mavic Minis to uh, the two tens, Matrice two tens, and we just recently purchased the uh, the M30s. So, 
Our two tens now are predominantly our mapping drones. We do a lot of mapping uh, for our mitigation department under Homeland Security. Erosion control, we've flown a lot of projects up on Lake Michigan with uh, mapping erosion along the beaches. We did that project up there. We flew for roughly two and a half years every month. So uh, we fly uh, fire investigations with our fire investigators. Uh, We fly and we map uh, fires and fire investigations. Uh, Last year, I believe I spent six days out at the uh, Walmart fire in Plainfield mapping for uh, our investigator, investigators and also for the ATF. So we've, we've, we really do a lot with them. Uh, we probably, if I had to total it up, we fly probably 10 to 12 hours a month. So on a lot, a lot of different projects. Thanks for that context. And it's interesting to hear you have these different platforms using for different purposes. I'd love to dive into that a bit more. You mentioned Mavic Minis, Matrice 210s, M30s, and you mentioned the Matrices for mapping, but from someone that maybe doesn't know drones mm-hmm. or just kind of an aspiring drone enthusiast, how do you go about finding, thinking about the right drone platform for the right mission? You kind of got to research the drone and and look at some of the advantages of the drones, you know, like the uh, the M30. The M30 is a good mapping drone. It's probably not the premier mapping drone out there, but it, it does have that. Uh, again, like I said, our M30s are, we call them our response drones. Uh, uh, people are familiar with the M30. It's uh, it's all weather. It's, uh, you know, it can fly in the rain. It can f- fly at night. Uh, we bought the spotlights with it. So we call that our response drone. Then, you know, like I said, our 210s, uh, we primarily use them for mapping now that we got the 30s. They were our main response drone. We had the uh, Mavic Duels, uh, Mavic 2 Duels, which we've kind of semi-retired them since we got the 30s. We're looking at expanding our code enforcement division, does amusement park ride inspections. So we're looking at expanding with our uh, code enforcement and our amusement park inspectors to uh, deploy them with the Mavic Duels to do... Uh, inspections on especially like ferris wheels and uh, roller coasters and that kind of thing they have to inspect the ski lifts every uh november before the season starts so we're looking at incorporating the drones into uh, looking at the ski lift towers and the cables and stuff like that so we've just it seems like every week we find a new uh a new purpose for the drones so well, it's good. I'm glad you're inspecting those those roller coasters because, to be honest, some of those terrify me because I, I may be a little worried on the safety. So I'm glad to know that there's some active safety checks going on. Well, if anybody watches social media, uh, I believe it was this spring, there was a roller coaster in, I think it was South Carolina or North Carolina that had a broken weld and the public found it before the uh, the park found it. So that's one thing that, that this kind of popped up on our radar is, as you know, I can't tell you how many, I know we have 92 county fairs in Indiana every year. We have an Indiana State Fair and just numerous other, you know, events that have carnivals. We've got two amusement parks in Indiana. We got Holiday World down south and Indiana Beach up around Monticello. So they have permanent roller coasters and stuff. And, you know, we've talked about incorporating the drones into, uh, you know, kind of flying the tracks and looking at, looking at the whole structure of the uh, the roller coaster and that kind of thing. 
there's just, yeah, there's just stuff going on and it's important to have uh, your involvement to kind of uh, help with uh, understanding what's going on and safety checks and all kind of benefiting the public. And I almost want to go back a step or two. You'd mentioned how the drone usually sort of started with the be, becoming intertwined with all things hazmat, but that process of like it getting integrated within hazmat operations and now even this process, you mentioned you have four licensed pilots. Talk me through sort of the process of like, so you didn't have drones and then all of a sudden you kind of crawl walking and now for the most part running into drone operations from like a regulation standpoint, a licensing standpoint, things like that. Right. Well, when we started, uh, we came up with the, with the plan to license, uh, you know, the difference between a CO and a Part 107. We decided to go with Part 107s. We used a program online called Gold Seal. I'll give a shout out to them. They they have a very good program. Uh, you have to pay for it, but it is a very good uh, online learning program for the Part 107. So we completed our uh, our Part 107s. We actually uh, contracted with Purdue University to go and get hands-on flying for three days at Purdue. So we kind of contracted with their aviation department, went up and spent three days with them, you know, getting hands-on with drones since really none of us had ever, you know, really touched a drone. So we went to Purdue, did our three days up there, got our hands-on. And then uh, I went out to an event in Colorado called uh, SafeCon 2019, a company out of Atlanta, Skyfire, partnered with a CERTSI, Security and Emergency Response Center, out in uh, Colorado, and they had a three-day symposium on drones and public safety. So I went out there and learned a lot. And then, uh, you know, we came back, we decided what we were going to get. Our initial purchase was four uh, Matrice 210s, four Mavic Duels, and we added onto that four Mavic Minis, the original Mavic Mini 1s to be our kind of our, our training drones to go out every day to kind of fly around on. And then our, our duels and our 210s were our kind of our workhorses. We, uh, you know, like I was telling you before, uh, we were getting quotes on it. And I went to FDIC, uh, which you mentioned there at the beginning. And I'd met him before, but Mike Masserino was a salesman for Darley. I met Mike and told him what we were doing, and he actually had on the table the 210, the the Mavic Duel, and everything we were looking for. And Mike says, well, hey, I can give you a quote, too, and I can give you a better deal. And the rest is history. And, you know, Darley's been our uh, drone supplier since 2019. And like I said, I think we've purchased 21 drones through uh, Darley. And right now we're looking at a FEMA grant for – it's a drone called the Freefly Astro. It's uh, a company out of, I think it's Woodville, Washington, uh, sells it. It's a predominantly a mapping drone. And uh, we're actually going through uh, Darley to uh, purchase for them. Hopefully, we hear something in the next month or so about the grant. And uh, it's been very promising. Uh, FEMA's very excited about it. So I think we're going to get four Freefly Astros and we're going to do a lot more mapping. So. Love to hear it. And the, the legend of Mike Masarino lives on. Shout out, Mike, oh, uh, yeah. a close dear friend of mine. He's a great human. And and I, I appreciate you saying those things about Darley. I mean, just maybe to throw Darley a plug too. I mean, any other, um, what's been your experience working with Darley throughout buying, servicing, implementing, things uh, like that? It's been great. When Mike left, uh, Nick Faye stepped up as the, uh, the lead sales guy for the robotics section. And, uh, you know, Nick's kind of been the uh, the go-to guy for the last couple of years since Mike left. 
Sean is on the maintenance side. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, anytime I pick up the phone and dial the number, you know, Sean or Nick answers and, and, you know, sometimes I can work the problems out on my own, or sometimes I call Sean and we kind of work it out. You know, they've been very well, they've got probably, I would say the best customer service in the business, but I'm kind of partial to them. So, but no, uh, anytime we need anything, you know, I pick up the phone and, and Nick or Sean's available and, and they take care of us. So, and even outside of drones, I mean, I needed rechargeable lithium batteries for a, uh, an instrument I had and the company wasn't, uh, wasn't listed as an Indiana dealer. So I called Nick and I said, Hey, could you purchase these and sell them to us? And he said, sure. So they became a lithium battery uh, provider for us too. Good to know. I mean, yeah, Darley with the equipment side offers a wide range of solutions. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And, and Nick, Nick is Johnny on the spot. And I too, do sometimes find myself in a jam and we'll uh, call Sean and Sean often bails me out uh, from some sort oh, yeah. of technical standpoint. So. Yeah. yeah. If Sean can't figure it out, he'll call, he knows somebody in DGI that can figure it out. So Sean knows a guy, he'll take care of it. Yeah. Um, Sean's the man. Well said. I really appreciate you saying all those nice words. There, there's some some great humans that are leading the Darley internal sales side. So it's awesome to hear that. So to kind of uh, try and bring a little bit more color to some of the, the drone usage, I think sometimes people, they see drones and they think there's a lot of the, the commercial, kind of the consumer side. There's also the concerns of privacy. Right. But we'd love to hear even a little bit more on, I want to go two directions, but one will start. I want to hear about roadblocks and challenges, and then I want to hear also kind of where else you see this going. But with roadblocks and challenges, you mentioned COA versus Part 107, or you know, or even overcoming community resistance. Like, what are some challenges and roadblocks that you face with kind of implementing drone usage within your operations? Well, some of the challenges we faced. Uh, again, we had a COA. I didn't renew it, but I I went ahead and got a COA. One of the big issues right now, of course, is is the big elephant in the room is the Chinese drones. We're constantly facing that challenge. Uh, you know, I am a, a big fan of DJI. You know, if it's not DJI, I would probably say the next best would be Autel. You know, so that's some of the challenges we face is is working with state legislators, working with uh, uh, internal partners about the security aspect of the drones. You know, we run our drones. We use a uh, secured uh, MiFi, uh, AT&T FirstNet MiFi to fly our drones with when they need a uh, internet service. We don't ever connect them to a state server or anything, you know, to kind of alleviate that issue there. We've never really had issues with public. Like I said, we, uh, we started flying our projects up on the lake in February of 2020. And if everybody remembers, in March of 2020, COVID hit. So we took two months off. We started flying again in May. And, you know, a lot of people come out and ask us, you know, during COVID, you know, here's, here's four guys up on Lake Michigan flying drones. And they're kind of like, hey, what are you guys doing? So once we explained to them what we were doing, everybody was like, hey, cool, you know. And we've never really ran into a lot of resistance with the public. You know, a lot of people will come up to you and ask you what you're doing. We'll explain to them what we're doing and they'll stand there and watch. We'll show them uh, the video feeds or the pictures and, you know, kind of a, you know, a public relation thing, explain to them what the drones do, what the drones don't do. And, you know, 
we've always had positive uh, interactions when it comes to our drones. One of the other things, like I was saying, is uh, we do a lot of uh, drone work for our Indiana State Fairgrounds. We fly during the fair. We fly traffic and uh, parking for the fair. And then we fly a lot of concerts. Uh, They had a lot of issues with uh, break-ins in the parking lots during concerts in the evenings. So uh, they talked to us, and we started flying the the parking lots during concerts. so we get there early, uh, everybody coming in to park sees the drones fly in the parking lot and knows that they're being watched. And I'm proud to say since we started flying, they've had zero break-ins in their parking lots. So, you know, on the public uh, aspect of that, you know, a lot of people see the drones flying over the parking lot. And, and I think they feel more secure, you know, that, hey, you know, somebody's watching the parking lot. We can come back to our car and everything's going to be there. So... So, you know, like I said, we've had a lot of positive uh, interactions with the public with the drones. So, knock on wood, it keeps going that way. But but I think it's the way we kind of present them, too. You know, we, we don't try to hide anything. We're very open. We'll show them, you know, what it does. And, you know, we'll land them and let them pick them up, touch them. So. Great to hear about the community involvement. And I think just being everything on the table and talking about who, what, when, where, why, what it's doing. Great example mm-hmm. of how to just get that community engagement. But I have heard a lot about this, the Chinese-made drones, the blue, SUA, blue SUAS, and like the kind of both sides of the fence. And I myself, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm holding an iPhone. And I know these are kind of the designed in California, made in China. And I don't want to open this Pandora's right. box or you know ask you to say anything that, would, that you don't want to say. But like I don't know where it's going from here because I, I know there's a lot of drone users that like those particular platforms, but are being funneled into saying you must buy these other platforms. What do you think's next? And are you just kind of taking it one day at a time or how, how are you approaching this, this uh, balance right now? I think as far as the state of Indiana goes is we have a good rapport with uh, the Homeland Security Director who has a very good rapport with the governor. And again, the subject comes up every couple of months uh, and, you know, we kind of assure them that we're not flying critical infrastructure. We're not, we're not flying anything that, you know, is, you know, it's going to be something that shares any secrets. Uh, one of the things that the state of Indiana is also doing is uh, we've got a, uh, we've got a working group uh, established right now to develop a statewide uh, SOP for drone use that does include the, the security aspect. It's made up of a lot of the major players in the drone business, you know, all the agencies that fly drones, and also our uh, Indiana office, uh, office of Technology. So, you know, we are working on having an SOP for the state, what we can do, what we can't do. Uh, again, you know, having the secure uh, MIFIs that the drones can hook up to, not hooking the drones up to state internet infrastructure or anything. So, so you know, that's 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 a good thing there. I know uh, I've talked to guys in some states that have outlawed the, the DJI drones, and they've kind of said that the, the states have taken a step back and kind of kind of regretted what they've done. I know Florida is doing a buyback program, and I think it's University of Central Florida is going to be doing uh, some internal studies on some of the drones that the state buys back to actually do some studies to see what kind of information they are collecting. So... But as far as the state of Indiana right now, we're pretty secure. Uh, you know, we do have rules, and the state Senate 
passed a bill last year about it's not really about drones, but it's about, you know, Chinese products and stuff and collecting information. So we have to follow them rules. Again, it pretty much is predominantly don't hook up to state systems. Yeah. So well, so other than that, I think we're pretty, we feel pretty secure about what we're doing. That's good. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And that's something where we want to make sure that you continue to have the tools you need to to be successful and and do it all in a transparent manner. And so I appreciate you leading the charge and showing right. that it can be done. Right. And again, you know, each state has their own thing. Uh, the federal government has rules. Uh, that's kind of why we're going with the free fly astro for our uh, our mapping drone, because we are using uh, FEMA funding for that. We're getting a FEMA grant for that. So, so they had certain rules. Uh, again, everything I read about the drone, it's a good drone, but it, it just, in comparison to the M300, it's just night and day. So we would much prefer to have an M300, but Unfortunately, the federal government don't let us spend federal funds on the Chinese drones. So yeah, well, working within the constraints and makes sense. And in the just a couple yeah. like a minute or two ago, you mentioned the statewide SOP that either you're developing. Could you expand upon like what what right. do you mean by like what in your eyes like what is a drone SOP and how will that be sort of developed and, and spread throughout the state? It's just going to be a standing operating procedure for anybody in state agencies that use drones. Uh, kind of like they're not going to require a Part 107, but they're going to highly, uh, you know, encourage you it. They want you to get a. They want yeah, urge you to get a Part 107. You know, I know our our state police fly with a COA, but you know the Part 107 kind of really covers you uh, through the FAA and regulation wise, you know, with that part 107, uh, talking about state properties, you know, flying over state properties, flying around state parks. Uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, the information technology, how to, you know, not hook up to state agencies, uh, or state in, uh, internet. They haven't really talked about what you can buy and can't buy, you know, that's kind of under a different state agency, which, you know, there were rumors going around that the state was not going to allow us to buy Chinese drones, which I just bought three M30s three months ago. So we're still buying the DJI products, which again, you just can't beat them. But, uh, but you know, it's just kind of, they've taken each uh, agency's SOPs and kind of combined them into one, kind of talking about, you know, data collection and securing uh, videos, uh, pictures, how we secure that stuff. You know, so if there's ever a FOIA, a FOIA request, which is a uh, request for the public to want to view something, we have a repository where we can put that stuff. I know when we were flying the lake, a lot of people up there were asking, you know, where they could get copies of our, our pictures and our maps and stuff like that. And we referred them to the governor's office because that's who we were actually doing the project for. So... Good context there. And as you were, it's good to hear about, hey, these are just some of the frameworks and the rules to follow. And and we want to encourage that we have a good framework and set of rules so everyone feels good about it. Uh, one thing you mentioned was sort of the the photos and the videos and the data that's co- collected from these drones. I mean, you, you for, whether it's having but, a thermal camera or a regular camera or some type of sensor, there's a lot of data being captured and streamed. Tell me about, I'd love to hear some of the the softwares that you're using. You mentioned mapping or maybe even some streaming. What kind of softwares are you using to help enhance your different operations? Right. 
for mapping, we use uh, an Esri program called SightScan by ArcGIS. It's an Esri program. It's a flight control program, and also you can uh, you process your photos. So we fly uh, we fly off an iPad with the uh, SightScan. We fly off of our uh, iPads with our, our, the SightScan app, and then we download it to an SD card, and then we can process it through the SightScan software on a computer. Which basically we upload the uh, the photos from the SD card, and then through the uh, SightScan program, we process it through the cloud. Which, unlike Pix4D, we're not required to have a huge supercomputer to do the processing. All of our processing is done in the cloud. It's a very secure uh, network. It's an Esri program, so everything is secure. And then once it's uh, processed, we have it on our, our desktops and we can view uh, view the finished product. We can do 2D maps. We can do uh, 3D mapping. We can do, uh, it's called timeline, where I can put last month's flight and this month's flight, and we can do a timeline slider and kind of look at, you know, the differences, which is a lot of stuff we did up with the uh, erosion. You know, we would go month to month and look and see how much beach was coming back, how much beach was going away, that kind of stuff. As far as the uh, video live feed, we currently use uh, Microsoft Teams with a 4K capture card. I know if Mike Masserino listens to this, he's going to, you know, you know, same thing kind of drone sense will do. But uh, it's, it's it's almost cheap and free. So, you know, we've had DroneSense. We've used it. Right now, we just don't have the money to, to pay for DroneSense. It's it's a yearly subscription. So so we do the free thing through Teams. Uh, we can also live stream through Zoom using the 4K capture card, that kind of stuff. And then for just retaining the uh, video and pictures, we save them either on an external hard drive or we can put them on our uh, share drive on the, the state system. I mean, you got to be crafty and find different ways to do what you need to do and, and ideally accomplish your job without uh, sometimes paying as needed. But so that's good right. to hear how you're getting crafty with things like that. I know Drone Tense is a great platform that helps, especially if you're flying multiple drones and, and wanting to have a level of interoperability. So that's, and then so you talked about mapping, talked about streaming. Any other, like, any particular camera payloads or sensors that you're using that you know, even I don't know if you want to talk touch on infrared and how you're kind of using that or any examples there well we uh like for the mapping with the 210 i use an x5s uh it's uh it's a autofocus camera which again w- initially when we bought our 210s we bought the uh the z30 and then the xt2 thermal camera so i was able to talk to nick and and get something that I could use also with uh, uh, for mapping. So we got the X5S for mapping, and then uh, our other drones uh, like the uh, the M30. Basically, it's got the the wide, the zoom, and the thermal, and then the Mavic 3. Again, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's got the uh, the zoom and the, the wide angle and the thermal. Some of the thermal stuff we do again hazmat response. Uh, you know, fire response, looking at, you know, hot spots on a fire, that kind of stuff. We'll use it for that. And then, uh, and then the, like the minis, the Mavic minis, uh, we use them for interior fire investigations. Say you've got a two-story house that burnt, they want to look at the second floor, we can take that, uh, that Mavic mini, fly it in a window on the second floor, get in there and do a 360 with pictures or with videos. 
So that's something we can do there. It's fascinating to think about how the drone is a delivery mechanism for these cameras and sensors. And then we have different softwares that allow us to take that data that's being created to accomplish different safety initiatives or different different tasks to allow us to do our jobs better. Right. And kind of on that point is I wanted to maybe I had a conversation the other week with a police department in the humble humble police department in Texas, Chief Ken Ken Goodery. Um, but he he talked a lot about law enforcement perspective and the police and and looking at drones as a solution, a, not a solution as a solution that helps with officer safety in terms of not putting people in harm's way when you can prevent it and being able to get perspectives. Right, right. How would you describe some of the benefits about how drones and robots can be used from a safety perspective to you put a drone in harm's way as opposed to putting a human in harm's way? Right. We don't do a lot of law enforcement stuff, but I do work with IMPD and Fort Wayne PD. And yes, uh, a lot of the SWAT teams using the drones, uh, you know, send the drone in first uh, to get, you know, recon or again, locate the, uh, the subject they're looking for. And, you know, it came up once that said, you know, well, what if they, what if they shoot the drone? Well, you know, like most police officers will say, well, I'd rather them shoot the, shoot the $500 drone than, you know, the first guy in the stack of, you know, that's making entry. So yes, they are very, very beneficial there. I know IMPD, uh, they've expanded their program to uh, include uh, minis with the SWAT team. And then they've, uh, their patrol officers are all flying. I believe it's uh, Mavic 3Ts thermals. So they're using them for uh, overwatch uh, pursuits, that kind of stuff. So yes, they are using, uh, they're using drones in a, a lot of different ways there. Well, with, um, I mean, a lot of different drone use cases and applications that we just sort of covered there. And you've, you've talked, about from fares to erosion control and and some of the, the challenges that you faced and I'd love if possible to hear you give a little context on sort of what next you know we don't need to get too much more into the blue SUSAS conversation but like where do you see drones as a where are drones going next and how are you, how do you see drones continuing to enhance the operations conducted by your teams well, I see drones as, uh, like we talked about, expanding to the uh, inspecting the amusement rides, doing a lot of uh, building inspections, that kind of stuff. We're with the grant we're getting from FEMA to uh, map mitigation projects, where you know if if they have a major flood and FEMA has to buy properties, they've got to monitor them properties, I believe it's for seven years to make sure, you know, nothing's built on them. That's one of the projects we're going to start using drones for is to use the drones to map the projects, uh, the, the properties. And then oh, uh, we, can, we can track it, you know, through site scan, we can do a, a map of it and you can do, you know, you can look at it from year to year and make sure nothing's going on there. As, you know, law enforcement, you know, law enforcement, uh, IMPD got rid of all their helicopters and their exclusively uh, unmanned aerial systems. I see a lot of police departments doing that, you know, because it's cheaper to buy drones than it is to maintain a helicopter. So I see a lot of that going. And then uh, uh, accident investigations, you know, 
it's quicker to map that accident scene and you get the road open quicker than it is to take pictures and, and do measurements. So with the uh, software now, we can, we can do measurements with the, uh, the mapping. Uh, it's, it's all documented. It's all saved as evidence. And, you know, it's quicker, it's easier, and it gets the road open. And, oh, uh, you have less backup. You know, one thing we've learned in the highways is with backups, we have more accidents. So, so we get that going. And so that's kind of where I see it going. I mean, it's exciting any way that we can put a human out of harm's way, but also find different costs and efficiency gains seems to be a, a wide roadmap of different things for, for drone integration. So appreciate you being on the cutting edge and sharing some best practices on that. And, and sort of curious well, to kind of uh, maybe sort of final two questions or so here. I mean, one is you kind of answered this in the last question, but like, Anything in particular that you really got your your eye on or that you're really tracking or excited about in terms of something that that's on the cutting edge and and some tor- some something to do with drones or robots that that really is uh, catching your attention. It's not going to really affect us, but I know the law enforcement community is uh, uh, drones as first responders using you know beyond line of sight, uh, being able to. Uh, dispatch a drone to a scene of a a crime or something the drone can get there you know within two or three minutes where it might take an officer five to ten minutes to get there so that's some really that's some cutting edge cutting edge stuff there the mapping you know the software is getting you know with the rtks and stuff like that we can we can get within a centimeter on mapping i know we've used it in damage assessment for uh, tornadoes and floods where we can take the, oh, uh, we can map it, and then we can, through the software, we can figure uh, volume of, of trees or volume of damage or volume of uh, rocks that have been moved in a flood and that kind of stuff. So there's just, there's just a lot of, uh, it's making everything faster. Before, you would have to have a person go out and walk and measure and take pictures where now we can fly over it without even having to to get into it and download the pictures, process it, and we've got a 3D map that is is just like being there. So that's kind of where I see it going with us. And then, like I said, on the hazmat side, you know, we don't have to put a guy in a suit to, you know, walk down to to see what's leaking. We can fly a drone down with the, the zoom cameras and the thermal imaging and we have a better idea what's going on before we even send people downrange, you know, to get into the bad stuff. And then we also have that, the ability to uh, be overwatch, kind of situational awareness, have the drone over a team that's downrange and kind of watching over them, you know, to see if there's there's some kind of hazard that they don't see that we can see with a drone that we can relay to them. So there's it's just, again, it, it's, kind of the eye in the sky you know it's it's a flying camera so endless opportunities and just ways to find efficiency gains safety gains and and a a public benefit through efficiency from whether it's dhs or law enforcement or fire in different ways so again just exciting to think about this integration of tech within public safety so kudos on you and if i could ask of a, a final uh a final mic drop from mike today i mean it could be a a quote a question, a challenge. You've given a lot of wisdom bombs here today, which I appreciate. Anything else that that you maybe could leave with someone about this conversation here? 
I have a lot of people reach out to us and ask how to start a drone team. You know, what do they need to do? Uh, uh, my big thing is, you know, before you pick a drone, know what you want to do. Do you need a drone for mapping? Do you need a drone for response? You know, and then kind of research the drones. Uh, reach out to uh, other teams or other drone pilots. Uh, social media is huge. You know, there's lots of sites on social media that, you know, through Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram that we can, we kind of get together and talk about ideas and kind of, you know, regulations, what's going on in Florida. I don't know what's going on in Florida, but I can see on social media what they're doing and some of the stuff they're doing down there. So, so you know, I would, I would say, you know, stay informed, get on social media, look at look at information and, you know, and get your part 107. It's you know, we used to say, you know, if a fireman can do it, anybody can do it. So, you know, get online, do your course, get your part 107. Uh, and then, you know, especially these smaller uh, departments or teams that that want to do something. Uh, sometimes we run into them, we go to a scene and we've got a drone flying around and we're like, whose drone is this? And, you know, it might be somebody that goes, oh, yeah, we bought one at Walmart. We're flying it. So we kind of we got to fill them in on the regulations and what they can do and can't do and shouldn't do and, and, you know, just kind of educate them. So, so again, part 107, you know, know what you want before you, you buy a drone. A lot of people will buy a drone and try to make it fit into what they want, but, you know, look at what you want to do before you pick out your drone. Couldn't agree more. Do your homework, talk with some friends, talk with, look up, do some uh, research on social media and right. talk to guys like Mike White that are, that are leading the charge. So, I mean, yeah, I uh, yeah. appreciate you sharing all these insights because they're, they're really helpful for. And then oh, uh, one more plug, if I can throw in uh, January 17th through the 19th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Uh, every year we have, this will be our third annual. It's uh, we have a, uh, it's called the Indiana UAS skills camp where uh, we have 66,000 square feet of indoor flying area that uh, we have some classes and basically it's a good networking opportunity and and uh, a lot of the teams in Indiana show up and and we've had people from Kentucky show up, Illinois show up. So it's not just limited to Indiana. And uh, Darley is uh, usually our corporate sponsor for it. You know, by all of our flying for the state fairgrounds, we get the building for free and all we really got to pay for is janitorial. So Darley comes in as our corporate sponsor and picks that up. So, so, you know, mark your calendars, uh, January 17th through the 19th. It's warm, it's, it's dry and it's in the middle of January, which we don't get a lot of opportunity to fly. So love to hear it. We'll put it on the calendar. I'll make sure to include the link in the show notes and, and Mike just, on behalf of Darley and Smart Firefighting and just the public safety community, thanks for what you're doing on Leading Charge here and keep going. All righty. Well, thanks for having me. For sure. Till next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Smart Firefighting Podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard and got any value, please drop us a rating, leave us a comment, or reach out to us on social media. Have a great day, and together we can advance the future of Smart Firefighting.